Welcome to the Inner Revolution Show, where we take a journey within to uncover the inner resources deep within our soul to transform physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It is through this higher sense of knowing we are able to design and live our lives with purpose, compassion, and for the collective consciousness. Are you ready to start your own inner revolution? Come with me. Welcome to the Inner Revolution Radio Show. I am your host, Dr. Renee, and welcome back to yet another amazing week. If you haven't already done so, please go ahead and check us out, the Inner Revolution Show with Dr. Renee on Spotify and iTunes. Go ahead and follow us and rate us and make sure to download any of the shows that you possibly have missed so far. Welcome back. I do want to say if you missed the show last week, don't worry, because so did I. I wasn't able to be here. I was really suffering from a pretty profound respiratory infection and virus, and I'm just so thankful to be back. So voice is a little raspy, but I'm raring to go. This is just going to be an intimate conversation, just you and me, talking about self-love, but not in the way that you're used to. I want to talk to you a little bit about something I came across a couple of months ago as I started to do my research in preparation for a course that I was teaching called Living and Loving from the Heart. And some questions came up in relation to why don't we trust our hearts? Why do we live predominantly from our brains? And how can we get to that balance point of being able to really trust the wisdom of the heart as much as we trust the wisdom of the brain? And these were really great questions, and I wanted to bring them forth here on the show because I came across some really cool research where people were starting to use a particular term called the heart virtues, and I'll talk a little bit about what that is here in a little bit. But I came across a pretty profound comment or quote, and it says, you can't fake this, they're referring to self-love, you cannot practice like a machine You must be human, vulnerable, open, humble, and willing to learn from yourself more than you're willing to accept the words of another. And that was so profound to me because I thought about my own journey into self-love and found that as I write in my book, The Unbecoming, for most of my life, there really was none. I really truly didn't love myself unconditionally with all that I had and all that I am. I did anything but love myself. I thought that I loved other people, but how can you love other people if you don't love yourself? And so how do we get to a place where we are willing to learn from ourselves more than we are willing to accept the words of another? We get there through ultimate self-love. When you divinely and unconditionally love yourself and all that that means. You will trust your innermost thoughts. You will trust your innermost intuition. You will trust every vibration, every sensation, every inkling that comes across you. 
you won't doubt it. But if you are the slightest bit out of alignment with self-love, you know what that feels like. Those rampant thoughts that come across you from time to time that say, I'm not really sure that this is the one. I'm not really sure that I should be doing this. I don't know if I'm happy or not. I, I reach out and I ask the question, can I get your advice? You know, can we talk a little bit about this? There's always this need to externalize and go beyond the self looking for information that if you only trusted you is already deep within the wells of your own soul. But for some reason, we don't trust it. We don't trust it because we haven't really learned how to trust the wisdom of the heart. And there is a wisdom of the heart. So many of these beautiful researchers today who are talking about heart resonance, heart wisdom, going way back, way back in time and showing us evidence of people profoundly growing spiritually, healing disease, all through the aspect of the heart wisdom. The resonance of the heart is so profound. The healing that is capable just by simply being able to tap into that energy, understanding what it feels like and using it for good. But where are we? We're wrapped up in our heads. We're wrapped up in our thoughts. We believe everything that comes across that table of our brain. I posted a story recently on Instagram that said, think less. <laughs> You know, don't trust every thought that comes across your brain. Maybe trust it less. Put that hand on that heart, begin to learn what the innermost essence of you feels like and trust that heart space. But guess what? I get laughed at time and time and time again by the over-analytical. I can't laugh because, hey, I was there myself not that long ago. I was your overthinker. I was your worrier obsessive thoughts, compulsive thoughts, getting sort of swayed in my own dreams and waking up in the morning and thinking that everything that I dreamt meant something. Now, my dream analysts out there in the world, I do apologize, as I do know that much of what we do dream is pretty significant. But you have to admit that not everything is as it seems and not everything is relevant to you. We have a hard time separating that which is us from that which is others, especially those of us who are empaths. It's very hard because we have never really truly been trained when we were younger, well, most of us weren't, in how to trust that innermost system. I don't know if you know this, but we actually have three brains. We have our intellectual brain, we have the wisdom and the brain of the heart, and we have what we call the brain in the gut or our intuition. For some reason, we believe that the intellectual system is far superior than the others. We probably, and I know I've been guilty of this, have convinced ourselves even when we knew intuitively that things were off, things were not right, something was going on that we needed to pay attention to, but we listened to the words of others. And we started to not trust that aspect of ourselves. And as that quote so beautifully said, you have to learn from yourself more. Be willing to learn from yourself more than you're willing to accept the words of another. And that includes your brain. Our brain is comprised of memory. Memory is comprised of history. History is known to do what over time? To decay. The memory of history, 
historically over time will decay. Where were you on 9-11? You probably can recall some very specific details, but when you get down to the minute aspects of the day, just like people who were alive back when Kennedy was assassinated, other historical aspects in our history, right, that we look back on and we say, oh, no, no, I remember everything. But when we really, really dig down to the minute detail, most people have forgotten a lot of those finite things. Now, those who were in the heart of the trauma probably have a little bit more success than those of us who were vicariously experiencing that day. But still, we can show that some of those things that they're going to mention are actually inaccurate. So why do you trust your brain when scientifically we know it's inaccurate? There's this aspect that we call false memories as well. Over time, our brain does not like these little loopholes that exist or sinkholes within the imprinting of our brain where we can't recall something. And so guess what it does? It so eloquently goes ahead and fills it in with something that remotely resembles what it thought happened. And it might be inaccurate. Police investigators have even indicated that in high court cases and things of that nature where people came up and said, I remember these things that happened to me. But in actuality, they were stories that were told to them. They were photographs or pictures that they had seen at one time or another and believed that to be something that happened to them. People could be convinced, convinced in psychological studies that they were in certain situations and had certain things happen to them when they actually had not. Why do we trust our brains? The heart wisdom, on the other hand, is much more delicate, much more gentle. It is that essence of the mother, the nurturer, the caregiver, the one who wants to help you and take care of you, but doesn't always give you all the answers, doesn't always pick you up every time you fall, but it is there. You always know it's there. And it's so much more caring and loving. But the one thing that it can't give you is the immediacy of the response. See, heart wisdom comes through time. Heart wisdom comes through experience. As we get over older, even in the intellectual aspects, we have what we call fluid and crystallized intelligence. Fluid intelligence is that intelligence that we use for processing and speed and analytical ability. And it's needed, but eventually it starts to decline after about our mid-20s. The other type of intelligence that actually increases as we get older is what we call crystallized intelligence. This comes from lived experience. This comes as a result of wisdom. We often even start to tap in as we get older and looking to our elders and, and wanting to hear their stories and having them tell us about their lives because we love the journey that they were on. They often become the best teachers and gurus and, and other things of that nature. And so if we can get ourselves into that space of one, really truly seeing the wealth of crystallized intelligence over fluid, the value and also the richness in it and trusting it as it's developing as we get older. Stop getting fixated on what we can't remember or 
don't seem to be able to recall, right? You guys know, you go out of one room, you go back into the other and you go, why am I even here? How many of us go shopping for one particular item and leave without that item, right? I know I'm guilty of it. Don't get me in Target. I'll buy everything else but what I went in there for. And so if we can do that and then move down into the second intelligence system and recognize the richness of the wisdom of the heart and not be so insistent that it give us an answer right now. Is he the one? Is she cheating? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? How do I know which job I'm supposed to be in? Why can't I feel better? Why does my heart still feel like it's broken? And you don't get the answer that you're seeking. But if you get quiet, if you just get quiet and patient, you'll learn to be able to feel the vibration, to feel the resonance, to feel the frequency of your heart. In schools, we actually have what's called heart math now and other types of programs connected to this company. And they have these different instruments that allow kids to wear these monitors and get to look at the measurements that are taken during a variety of learning experiences throughout the day. And they're able to look and tap into those high optimal moments of flow right? When they're deep within those aspects of creativity and learning, even in disequilibrium, right? Where cognitive dissonance, when we don't know what's happening, that is the highest optimal point of learning to be able to occur. Learning doesn't happen when we sit there learning and just knowing everything that's going on. So why do we insist on following the wisdom of the brain, of the mind so much when we know it's flawed, but we know that the heart has the answers, but we just have to be patient. We just simply don't want to be patient, right? We're in a culture of now, now, now. And if we can learn to sit and be more patient and be a bit more quiet, I guarantee you, you're going to be able to pick up on this aspect as well. Another quote, this is from Living from the Heart, says, our innermost structure is divine love. And our outermost structure is a means of experience for the innermost structure. But we have become entrained by the outer vehicle to the degree where we identify with it more than the occupant, our true self inside. That excerpt really demonstrates our fixation on the outer vehicle, i.e. other people, even information, YouTube, right? We become fixated on going online and looking up everything that we can learn and find. But one thing we know about the learning process, again, is that it will not change your neural pathways. It will not change the connections of trauma or pain. And so if you're trying to overcome heartache, doing research online about everything as to why your heart was broken will only give you more mental information. And it might even actually flood your working memory, which will actually cause more stress on you in the moment and probably go against the very thing that you're trying to do, which is heal emotionally. So how do you heal emotionally? You begin to tap into the wisdom of the heart. There's these many interrelationships of these virtues, these six heart virtues. And let me mention these to you just briefly. There is... Compassion, forgiveness, 
humility, understanding, valor, right? And appreciation. Compassion, forgiveness, humility, understanding, valor, appreciation. If we spend more of our day thinking about how to incorporate and live more from these six virtues of our heart, how can we be more compassionate to self and others? How can we forgive ourselves and others more frequently each day so that we're not left in that moment, that puddle, right, of those feelings? How can we be more humble? This is something that I've always really strived for my entire life. Mother Teresa was definitely my mentor. How can we be more understanding of self and others? Valor, how can we still be proud of ourselves and not feel a sense of negativity that we're not supposed to be prideful or happy in the things that we do, but we can show bravery and courage in those moments as well? And appreciation for all that occurs in a day. What are you grateful for today? Where does that come from? That comes from the wisdom and the feeling of your heart. If we can just learn to be, again, more patient, if we can learn to be more quiet and really tap into that frequency of our heart, we'll really learn how to trust it more. The heart will always lead you in the right direction. You just have to be willing to take that journey. You have to be patient to go in that direction. Nothing will happen immediately for you. You just have to be willing to stick it out. And so the six heart virtues are becoming more of a major theme in spiritual psychology today. If you haven't seen this research or heard anything about it just yet, no, you probably will. And it really is a beautiful way of looking at how to transform our own aspect of love, human consciousness, and so on. And if we can just learn to practice expressing these heart virtues in our everyday life, I'm telling you things will improve. But it's definitely not as simple as it sounds, I know. And I know it takes time to really move into this space of being able to trust our own selves at the core of who we are. But I have faith in you. I do. I have faith that, again, you're going to be able to learn from yourself more than you're willing to accept the words of others. And you are going to be able to trust your true self, that aspect deep within you, the one that's deep inside. Again, if you start to believe your brain and all the thoughts that you're having and the inner critic, then who's listening to the critic? Who's observing the critic? Who is that? That is what you are. That is who you truly are at the core essence of you. If you can stop being fixated on trying to fix your emotional instabilities, sensitivities, anxiety, depression, whatever it is that you are struggling with right now, instead of trying to find the answer through your brain, I bet you'll find the answer in your heart. Begin to trust why you are in that moment, why you are in that experience, why you are in that place and time right now. What is there to be learned from this experience? Look within yourself for forgiveness and compassion and understanding and appreciation and all the things that the virtues are trying to teach us. That is where the answers lie.
So the golden nugget today, why don't we trust our hearts? Because it doesn't speak to us immediately. It doesn't give us answer blatantly like the brain does. But when it does answer us, it answers from a place of purity. It answers from a place of genuine self-love. I'm telling you, my friends, if you can learn to really tap into the beauty of this energy, you are no longer going to be fixated on trying to fix all of those issues that you are experiencing right now from your brain. Your heart can get you to calm down. Your heart can get you to get excited. Your heart can get you to feel those most amazing things in life and truly be in the moment. And when you're there, what you thought you were struggling with mentally somehow just kind of dissipates and goes away on its own. It isn't magic. It's alchemy. So this is Dr. Renee for yet another amazing week here on the Inner Revolution Show. We will be back again next week with another wonderful guest. Again, if you haven't checked us out on Spotify or iTunes, go ahead and do that. We greatly appreciate your feedback. And we hope that you have an absolutely amazing Thank you for listening to the Inner Revolution Radio Show. If you haven't already done so, check us out on iTunes and also check out our website at www.transcendentheart.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Renee One Life. Have yourself an amazing week.